What now? Ever had those moments? Come on, anybody ever had those moments? Like, what, what, what happens next? What is it in the process here that's going to take place next? When you begin to study the Scripture, what you find is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John lay out what Jesus' ministry was here upon earth, and it uh, talks about His death, His burial, His resurrection. But then you move into the book of Acts, and, and when you get into the book of Acts, it's kind of one of those what now moments. In fact, if you, you begin to look there in the, in the first chapter of the book of Acts, what you see is you see that Jesus has, has come together with His apostles and those who are following Him at that moment, and, and He begins to talk to them about some transition. He begins to talk to them about some change that is taking place, and He, and he tells them, hey guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait until you are endued with power from on high. He says, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. And, and as he's telling them all this stuff, the Word of God says that they start asking him questions. Well, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? When is the Son of Man going to come? And he, they go through all this stuff. And Jesus just says to them, look, some of these things are none of your business. Right? How many of you know some things are none of your business? Right? You, you just need to get that. And, and Jesus kind of said that. But, but he said, here's what you are to do. He said, you're to go into Jerusalem, and you're to wait until you're endued with power. And as he's saying all of this, the Word of God says that he just, just begins to kind of lift off. Wouldn't that be cool? Come on, go with me. Think a minute. What, wouldn't that, I mean, wouldn't that just be great to be standing there, Jesus is talking to you, and all of a sudden he just starts going up, 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 up. And, and he just disappears into the clouds. And the Bible says that they're all just standing there going, whoa. Come on, wouldn't you do that? Whoa, this is pretty cool. And then angels show up. I mean, not only did Jesus and not go up into the heavenlies, then angels show up and they look at them and says, what are you looking at? <laughs> this same Jesus, who you just saw go away, is coming again. But here's what you are to do. You are to go and wait in Jerusalem like he told you to do until you're endued with power from on high. We began a few weeks ago talking to you about what now? That out of the book of Acts, what we find is, in, in the book of Acts, the second chapter, that, that something begins to happen. In fact, the, the first part of, this, of the second chapter says that on the day of Pentecost, there suddenly was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them different kinds of tongues of the fire set upon them. And it says they begin to speak with tongues and to magnify God. Well, this is the season where, where the Jewish nation gathers together in Jerusalem. It's a time of the, of the Feast of Pentecost, and they have come from all over the world to be in Jerusalem for this feast. It's one of the three feasts that every Jewish person was supposed to go to at least once in their life. And so they've gathered from literally around the world. And all of a sudden, there is this noise that's, that begins to go throughout the city, and people are saying, man, you got to come down here. There is something happening. It is off the chain. Okay, they didn't say that. They said, you need to come check this out. You need to figure out what's going on. And, and the, the Bible says that people gathered, and some people, they start seeing these guys up there, and, and, and they're speaking in tongues, and they're saying things in their own language, the Bible says, that people gather from every different language, and now they're hearing the gospel proclaimed in their own language by these Jewish men and women, and they're going, this is crazy. And some of them said, well, they, you know, they're just drunk, and, and that's, that's what's going on. And the apostle Peter stood up, and, and listen to what he said. He said, these are not drunk like you think. He didn't say they weren't drunk. 
The King James Version says, he says, These are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And upon my servants and my handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord. And the Apostle Peter begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And verse 36 of chapter 2 is where we've been uh, for this series. And I'm going to pick back up there today. Here's what he says. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart. And they said to Peter and the, uh, the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? In other words, what now? What is it we're supposed to do? And watch what the Apostle Peter said. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. The first two weeks we talked about this, that repentance means to change your mind, to change your directions, to give your life to Jesus Christ and allow Him to cleanse you from all your sin. We talked about last week about water baptism, that in Scripture, anytime someone gets saved, they are converted to Jesus Christ, that the very next thing that they do is that they, are, they get water baptized, that baptism is needful in our lives to continue the journey with God that God has called us to. But he goes on to say, not only do you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many of you like gifts? The rest of you are weird. And I like gifts. Let me ask that again. How many of you like gifts? I mean, nice gifts, good gifts, great gifts, wonderful gifts, right? I, I like gifts. And, and the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit is given as a gift. Now, now look in verse 39, and, and we'll begin the sermon today. It says, the promise. What promise? The promise of salvation? No. The promise of the Father. Well, what was the promise of the Father? The promise of the Father was that He was going to send the Holy Spirit. That's the promise that He's talking about. And He said, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, how many of you know that all means all, right? Y'all are deep. I like it. All means all. All means everybody. And so everybody has the opportunity to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that the Word of God tells us is ours. See, when you, be, when you begin to study Scripture, what you find is, is that you find the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is very important. A lot of us don't talk about the Holy Spirit. It's kind of weird. In fact, uh, you know, when, back in the day, a lot of times, especially re if you read out the King James Version of the Bible, the, it, it calls it the Holy Ghost, right? We, we kind of, you know, start saying, who are you going to call? Because we, we kind of make it weird and spooky and, and, and oh, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Okay, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, it's both ways. And, and what we need to understand is, is that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit's not weird, it's not freaky, it's not far out. It's a gift. It's a gift that God says, if you're a believer, if you're my child, I want you to have it. You say, well, how important is it? Well, let's look in Scripture. Matthew 3.11, here's what John the Baptist said. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy. He said, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. He said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and fire. The first thing you need to understand is that John the Baptist prophesied the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus is coming and He is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, Acts 1 and 5, if you'll look there, says this. The, the Scripture says, for John, this is Jesus speaking, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So John prophesies it, but Jesus proclaims it. Jesus said, this is getting, getting ready to happen. This is getting ready to take place. Just know that there's coming this outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look in Acts chapter 2. Keep your Bibles limber today because we go in a lot, of, a lot of Scripture. Acts, the second chapter, verse 4, says all of them. Again, how many is all? Everybody in the upper room, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So number three is the early church received it. The early church received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, what we need to understand is that the Word of God talks about different baptisms. The Word of God talks about water baptism, but the Word of God also talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and here's, here's what I want to say to you. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, here's what it suggests. It suggests that an individual's personality, who they are, is immersed by the Holy Spirit. It's like in that moment, the Holy Spirit of God just kind of comes down and just immerses that person as they receive, just, just like you do in water, just when you're, when you're put under the water. Somebody asked me one time, said, said, do you sprinkle or do you dunk? I said, we dunk. Because we want you to, you know, we want it all over you, right? Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same way. It comes and it immerses you, it covers you as you receive this gift that God has. Look in verse uh, chapter 8 uh, of Acts. Again, Acts chapter 8, we're just going to build on Scripture this morning. Acts chapter 8, verse 15 and 16 says, when they arrived, now let me just set this up, it is Samaria where Philip has gone to preach the gospel. And the Bible lets us know that there's a great revival that breaks out in Samaria. People are getting saved. Uh, people are being baptized. Wonderful things are happening. But now the apostles have come. And, and here's where we pick up. When they arrived, the apostles, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 16. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now think about that for a minute. Because a lot of us were, were told, a lot of us were raised and, and we were told, you know, when you get baptized, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But that verse says, right, see it? Are, you got it? That verse says that these people have repented. They've been baptized in water, but they still have not experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Look in Acts chapter 19. We'll give you another verse about this. Acts chapter 19 is, is a great uh, place here that again talks about. Look in verse 1 and 2. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. These are John the Baptist's disciples. And he asked them, now look at the question he asked them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you what? Believed. Now, now get it, don't miss this picture. He said, 
I know you're a believer. I know that you're in relationship. But he said, here's what I want to ask you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, now it's needful for us to understand that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is subsequent to conversion. In other words, it happens after conversion takes place in my life. We're not talking about, are you saved or you're not saved? Listen, we talked about that the first week. When I repent, when I ask Jesus Christ into my life, in that moment, conception's taking place, and I am now alive in Christ Jesus. When I'm baptized, then I move into the authority of that name, the authority that's been given to Jesus Christ, and now I have the power of attorney, if I can use that terminology, to operate in the name of Jesus. But this is something that takes place even after that has happened, and that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to tell you, if God is giving it, I want it. Amen? I mean, what, whatever it is, I, I just, I, my name's Jimmy, I just like what you give me. <laughs> my name's not Jimmy. Go to Acts 10. You Okay. A lot of scripture, but I want you to get it. I, I want, here's, what I, here's what I want to do today. Everybody look up here for a moment. Here's what I want to do. Because there has been so much confusion in the body of Christ about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to hear my opinion today. I want you to see what the Word of God says. That's why I am reading a multitude of scripture today, much more than I normally do, because I want you to see that the Word of God, time and time and time again, talks about this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Look in Acts 10, verse 45. The circumcised, or the Jews, the Jewish believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentiles. See, the, the, the sixth thing about, excuse me, the fifth thing about the Holy Spirit is that it's a gift. The Holy Spirit's a gift. Now, I, 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 again, do you like gifts? Right? If it's a gift, let me, let me explain this to you. If the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift and God wants me to have His gifts, wouldn't I be foolish not to take it? Have you ever tried to give somebody something, to give somebody a gift and they go, oh, no, no, no. Don't you just want to smack them, smack them, smack them? Right? I mean, I, I, I feel like I want to do something for you. I want to bless you. I want to be good to you. You go, oh, no, I'm not worthy. Well, of course you're not. <laughs> Get over it. I want to bless you. I want to give something to you. I want to, I'm a, I, I've just learned, I've learned whatever people want to bless me with, just to say, thank you, God bless you, I receive. What, what if we tried that with God? Thank you. Lord, bless us. Indeed. Amen. Well, we, we, just, we just receive everything that you have for us. Look in, look in chapter 11 uh, of the same book. And again, we're just digging through it. Verse 17 says, So if God gave them the same gift, there it is again, He gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? This is the Apostle Paul uh, after he goes back and begins to talk to the, to the Jewish leaders there uh, about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Gentiles. So it's, it's this whole thing about a gift. Now, now watch what Jesus says about this thing called the gift of the Holy Spirit. He talks to him one day and he says, um, if you then being evil, he, he said, you're, you're carnal. And he said, if your child came to you and asked you for bread, would you give him a stone? 
And of course, the answer to that is no. He said, if you ask you for fish, would you give him a serpent? And again, no. He goes on to say, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give to them who ask him the Holy Spirit? It's a gift. I, I just, all I've got to do to receive what God has for me is just to say, Lord, I want what you've got. I want your gift. I want to receive what you have for us. You say, well, pastor, uh, is that all? No. Look in Acts 1 and 8. Acts 1 and 8 tells us that you shall receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The sixth thing that it does is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit brings power. How many of you remember a show a few years back where a guy was always wanting more power? Remember Tim, the tool man, Taylor? More power. I want more power. In fact, I don't just want more power. I need more power. I need the power to overcome sin. I need the power to live the life Jesus Christ is. I need the power to be witnessed. I need the power of God in my life. Acts 4 and 7, uh, after there's been this miracle take place, here's what they said. Uh, they had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? It's, it's all going back there to about, about the power. And so you and I need to come to an understanding that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift that God has for us that He wants to release in our life so that we can have power. And I know what people say. Well, you know, it was just for the New Testament church. Let me help you. We're still the New Testament church. It never ceased. It didn't, there wasn't a point that we stopped being the New Testament church and became something else. Now, I know we've got a lot of names. Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Church of God, Church of God in Christ. I mean, we got, right? We got all those names, but there's still only one church. I mean, when, when you show up in heaven, God's not going to say, did you go to the first church of whatever? He's going to say, were you part of my body? Were you part of my bride? Did you have a relationship with me? That's what he's going to ask. And this New Testament church that started on the day of Pentecost is still going today, and we are still operating in the same gifts that God gave back then. Why would God start something only to stop it? Why would He get you? Say, well, they needed it then. You think they need it and we don't? You, you think that that day was worse than our day? No, we need what the power of the Holy Spirit brings in our life. People say, well, you know, it's only for a certain few. It's only for people who are really, really plugged in. Really? Look in Acts 2.39. Remember I read it? The promise is for you, your children, and all. That's us. All who are far off even as many as the Lord our God will call. If you've been called by God, then the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for you. Number seven, it is for everyone. Not just a select few, not just some who might. It's for everybody. Every believer has the opportunity to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. People say, well, 
uh, you know, I, I, when I got baptized, I received the Holy Spirit. Well, well how did I, I know? Well, they told me I did. Well, somebody told me I got it. Well, no, no, no. There, there's a way, according to Scripture, that you know if you receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's, let's look at it real quick. Acts 2-4 is the first place that it shows us. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Right? Okay? Now, let's, let's keep moving. Uh, the, the, the Scripture goes on to say uh, that, that in Acts chapter 10, would you go there? Acts chapter 10, verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message, and the circumcised, the Jewish believers who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know? Because the Bible says we heard them speak with tongues, as we did at the beginning. In, in your life and in my life, look, look in verse 46, I'll read it. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized while they have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have. Acts 19 and 6, there's those believers again that the apostle Paul is with. And the scripture says when Paul placed his hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit and it came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. The consistent sign of the baptism in the Holy Spirit according to scripture is that people speak in a heavenly language that they have not learned. You remember what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13? How many of you know that 1 Corinthians 13 is a wonderful chapter in the Bible? It's all about love, right? It's, it's that wonderful chapter where we read about love and love and love. Watch what the Apostle Paul says in that chapter. If I speak with tongues of men, natural tongues, and of angels, heavenly language, but I don't have love. He said, look, it's, love is greater than any gift. You've got to operate in love. But what he is saying to us is that, that this does happen. You know what else he said? People say, well, pastor, what you have to understand is, is that the Word of God says that tongues are going to cease. It sure does. You know what? That same scripture says knowledge is going to vanish away. You know what they tell us about knowledge? The bulk knowledge of the world. I don't care, I don't care how up-to-date, whatever, iPad, phone, whatever. I don't care how up-to-date it is right now. I promise you by next year it will be obsolete. Because the bulk knowledge of the world is doubling every five years. Now think about that. That's why you can't keep up. But the Scripture says the same verse that says tongues are going to cease says knowledge is going to vanish away. Read the rest of that verse. It says that when he that is perfect is come. What's that talking about? It's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes back, knowledge, the earthly knowledge will vanish away. Tongues will cease because there won't be any need of them anymore. People say, well, why, why does anybody need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Glad you asked the question because I want to answer it. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says this, For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but they speak to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Number one is this. It's a direct communication with God. He says, uh, the Apostle Paul right there says, when you pray in tongues, it's a prayer language that you're given. It's a new language that you're given. He says, when you receive that language, you're not praying to man. No man's understanding it. He said, it is a direct communication link between you and God. 
Now, I want to tell you, there are moments in my life that I don't know how to pray. But the Spirit knows how to pray. And so there's that direct communication, even though I don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit knows how to pray. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 4. It says, anyone who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. He said, look, if you want to, if you want to edify the church, prophesy. But he said, if you want to be edified, that word means to be built up. If you want to be encouraged, if you want to be built up, then you need to pray in tongues. Use your prayer language. And the second thing about praying in tongues is that it builds up your faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to have great faith. I want to have faith to be able to look at the mountain, say, be removed and cast into the sea, and if I don't doubt in my heart, that it will happen. But one of the ways that I can do that is by praying in the Spirit according to Scripture. The Apostle Paul said that as you do that, that you're edified, you're encouraged, your faith is increased and built up. Romans 8, 26 says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes with us through wordless groans. In other words, there are the, the natural words are not coming forth. They're not there anymore. But the Spirit of God brings intercession to us. What is intercession? Intercession is when I'm in that place, things are happening, and I don't know how to stop them. And as I begin to pray and intercede, the Spirit of God rises up and stops the onslaught of the enemy. And the Word of God says that you can do that through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People say, well, why did God choose tongues? Well, He's God, first of all. Right? He's God. He can do what He wants to. But the book of James kind of gives us an indication of that. The book of James tells us that this thing called the tongue is powerful. In fact, James says to us, he says that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship, although it's small, that however the captain turns the rudder, that's where the boat is going. He says, that's the way your tongue is. He said, with your tongue, you can bless God and curse man. He gives us all this stuff about the tongue, but James in 3 and 8 says this, but no human being can tame the tongue. Have you found that to be true? Come on. You know you've said something. You went, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. No man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow. But you know what happens? When you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to pray through you, in that moment it brings you under subjection to God. You are now submitted totally because now it's not what I want because what, listen, everybody, listen, everybody. In fact, just look up here a second. I know you're putting the notes down, but look up here a second. We love to be in control. We're all control freaks. Now, I'm not a control. Oh, yes, you are. That's why so many of us resist the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we don't want anything to happen to us that we're not in control of. And yet the Word of God lets us know that in that moment that you're willing to release yourself to the Holy Spirit, that that's finally the moment that you are truly submitted and under subjection to God Almighty. Pastor, how do I receive it? It's real simple. We've been talking about it now. This is our third week. First of all, I need to repent. 
change my mind, change my direction, ask God for forgiveness, ask that the blood of Jesus Christ cover me. If you haven't done that today, you need to do that first. You need to receive forgiveness of your sins, come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing, according to Scripture, that happened in a normal occurrence was they were baptized in water next. They came, they came into that place of receiving the authority of who Jesus was. But then, what you have to understand is, the third thing that you need is you need to desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because I've had people tell me for years, well, if God wants me to have it, He'll just give it to me. No, He won't. It's not the way God operates. If you don't want it, He's not going to make you have it. It's really that simple. You don't desire it, He's not going to, you know, grab you and put you in a headlock and say, speak in tongues. <laughs> I said, no, he's, God doesn't operate that way. I've got to desire it. Lastly, I've got to ask. Remember the scripture I told you all ago? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to them who ask the Holy Spirit here's what I know outside of salvation it is the greatest gift you'll ever get many people today who are listening to me can testify what I'm saying is true that outside of receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior the greatest gift that ever came into their life was the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People say, well, do I have to have it? That's the wrong question. You get to get it. I mean, if I were standing here today and, and, and I had a million-dollar check with your name on it, you wouldn't come up here and say, do I have to get it? Right? I mean, if your name was on the line, you knew it was good, I could line up the toughest, biggest guys in this congregation and the littlest woman in here would come through them. Yeah. God, she'd stomp your foot, she'd pull your hair, she'd wring your neck, but she would get to this gift. Well, I want to tell you, I've got something better than a million dollars. It's the promise of the Father. It's your gift. It's a gift that Jesus said. He said, hey guys, I need to go away. He said, it's been fun hanging out for three and a half years with you. But he said, I need to go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come. But he said, if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my Father's name. And he said he's going to testify of me. Jesus thought that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was so important that these guys who had been with him for three and a half years, even his own mother, he said, here's what I want you to do. You've done miracles. You've seen signs and wonders. You've been with me for three and a half years. But here's what you do. You go to Jerusalem and you wait until you're endued with power from on high. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit.